Greetings, dear listeners. Before we get started, a reminder to head on over to wisdomofcrowds.live and consider becoming a paying subscriber if you're not one yet. You'll get access to, among other things, the full conversation, as well as other subscriber-only benefits. And don't forget to give us a like and review on your favorite podcast app. With all that out of the way, on to the show. Hamid. Wow, okay, well... DJ Shadi Shad. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. Okay, well, that that is a wonderful introduction. Um, I'm pretty excited. Well, I guess I say that for most episodes. You're well, not excited, you're bored. <laughs> we, we have Christine Emba, whose voice or laughter you shall hear shortly. As many of you know, Christine is a columnist at the Washington Post, the author of a book called Rethinking Sex, which we've talked about in a previous episode. If you guys have not listened to that episode yet, you definitely should. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, Christine is also, recent, as of recently, um, editor-at-large with Wisdom of Crowd. So we're happy to have her because we're going to talk about men being lost, masculinity, I presume sex will come up, um, any number sex. of issues. Are, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I I can uh, decide what directions to take this in, for better or worse. But Christine has a piece that is v- very long, but in the best sense of like longness, because it is, it's an important piece. And um, we'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. The title is suggestive. It's Men Are Lost. Here's a map out of the wilderness. Um, So I think it may very well be one of those rare pieces that captures and perhaps even defines a moment um, and like brings it to fruition. So we'll get into we'll get into the moment. Before I go to Christine, I just want to just to lay the lay out the land a little bit. You guys all know the drill. Boys and men behind, sad, depressed, lonely. Boys two men, (laughs) sorry, sorry. Boys two men. (laughs) And if you missed it, if you want the full case for why boys and men are behind, check out our episode with Richard Reeves, who wrote the book on this. It's called Of Boys and Men. And it keeps on coming up. And it actually, um, Richard Reeves is mentioned in Christine's piece. And um, we were just hanging out with him recently, too. He's, yeah, anyway. He's Who's really we, cool. Kimosabe? Yeah. Hey, Christine? I wasn't there. Oh, yeah, there. Demir wasn't there. Demir wasn't there. Oh, my bad. Oh, Christine wasn't there either. What are you, yeah, what are you talking Wee. about? <laughs> Royal no, no. No, Ibn uh, Hamid. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say where it was. It was in an elite space, I and I don't want. So we, I don't want we our elites. readers. So we was we just, elites were hanging was, out with Richard Reeves. So Shadi was hanging out with Richard Reeves in like a and I a bunch mean, of other important even, people, more important than no, me. I'm and pretty you, Christine. sure Christine that you were there, but hey, you know who am I to say? But okay. in any case, <laughs> the person who brought it case, up. But in any uh, case, <laughs> so um, okay, men are in a difficult situation, and. Why don't you maybe just, we know that they're in a bad situation, but I think what you're trying to do in your work and writing now 
is to offer an alternative, a third way, if you will, a path out of the wilderness. I personally don't think it's as complicated as people make it out to be. I think that people like to panic about a crisis when actually we sort of have the answers. And maybe we'll get to some of those answers shortly. But clearly, because you wrote the piece, you don't think the answers are obvious. So tell us what you think about that. So I write the piece, I wrote the piece, um, Men Are Lost, Here's a Path Out of the Wilderness, actually as a way to kind of get my own thoughts together, to sort of draw together all of these threads that have, have been percolating kind of in every sphere of the discourse and also on some level in my own personal life about the the thesis that masculinity is in crisis, that there is a man crisis, that uh, as Hunter Harris puts it in her substack, men are in their flop era. Um, hmm. and first off, I came to the conclusion that in fact, that, that may be true. You know, there have always been sort of discussions, worries, laments about how men are getting soft, American men are in trouble, et cetera, et cetera, from basically the founding of America to today. But what's different today is that there is actually data supporting the fact that men are not as successful as they used to be are trailing behind women in employment, in uh, education and achievement generally, and that their mental health is reflecting that. So three out of four deaths of despair are men. Uh, so those are just a couple of the facts, but that just seems to point to a pretty clear something. Something is going on with men. The other thing that I had been keeping an eye on and that pushed me to start thinking about this piece was the sudden, or at least it feels like to me, sudden, uh, I don't know, growth, outgrowth of masculinity influencers or what I call manfluencers in my piece. So people like Jordan Peterson suddenly became really famous. Then you have people like Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate, all the way to Bronze Age Pervert, who I place in that category. Tucker Carlson did this documentary on how men are falling apart. Uh, Josh Hawley. Testicle tanning. <laughs> testicle testicle tanning. tanning. Just important so people understand. Yes, it was the testicle tanning documentary, documentary makes it sound like it's, it's a, uh, yeah. Anyway, go on. It's, I, yes, I watched the full thing for research and there were points, there were points that were, uh, I felt it was a little inappropriate maybe for me to just be watching these oiled up ah, men research. like wrestling <laughs> each other and flipping tires. I digress. Um, Josh Hawley wrote his book, Manhood. Um, which unfortunately is just a real joke of a title, but everyone is kind of worried about what, what's going on with men, at least everyone on the right. And so this was also, this was kind of the second part of, uh, I guess what I was thinking about what the essay tries to lay out one, that there actually is a crisis happening in the lives of men. And two, that the only people who seem to be responding well to that crisis are influencers who are either on the right um, or sort of right inflected. And they are of varying, but generally not very high quality, um, ranging from the aforesaid Jordan Peterson, who actually, I'll give credit, um, did say some seemingly useful things before he disappeared into the Russian wild with a benzo addiction, allegedly, allegedly. Um, to people like Andrew Tate, who are not even real good models of masculinity. They're caricatures. He's 
sort of like the, the model of masculinity that a 15 year old who watches too much TV would think of as a model, like totally antisocial, out for himself, promotes a model of masculinity that has no communal value. Um, but it, it does seem that in talking to, or at least I realized in talking to young men, lots of young men for this interview, uh, interviewing lots of men for this piece, and just talking to men in general, that there is a real desire for sort of a path, trying to figure out how to be a man in a modern and rapidly changing world. And if only one side is providing the answer, the right, then they're just going to take whatever solution is given there. And so, Christine, you've been you've been talking to men in general. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, how's that I ta- going? Talking to men in general, um, I find that most are are capable of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Christine, Christine, let me. Let- let me let me ask you let me ask you something. Um you know you 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 alluded to it just now. Um you trace it uh at least sort of cursorily in the piece at the beginning of the Washington Post piece. Um that this thing sort of historically ebbs and flows. Um you said we have data for it now. Let me let me ask you sort of a a, a overall question before I drill into more of it. Um is this an American problem or is it a global problem? Do you have a sense? I know that you're writing about American men. Uh, do you have a sense whether it's broader than that? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Um, and as Shadi mentioned, the piece is long, and yet I didn't even get into everything that I wanted to get into in the piece. And so the piece is focused on American men. But I actually do think this is a global problem. Um, it manifests differently in certain societies, uh, but it's not just the U.S. that's experiencing it. Many sort of developed, um, developing world countries are experiencing a kind of like gender, gender confusion crisis. I think in the United States, it is a little bit more, actually a lot more acute because along with the sort of shifting of gender norms and gender roles, uh, that's come with more like LGBTQ visibility, um, more acceptable ways to start a family, et cetera, more women in the workforce, there's been a concurrent loss of older male roles or rather a loss of the roles that men used to fill um, that seemed to kind of fit the box. So we've had deindustrialization led by globalization and then jobs for the working class especially have gone away and just haven't come back. Um, When there are economic strains, America doesn't have as much support for them. America also was hit really hard by an opioid epidemic, unlike every other country in the world. So when you see stats from deaths of despair, et cetera, it shows up in America most. But this crisis exists elsewhere. The other place right now where it's really visible actually is in South Korea, um, where we basically saw in the last South Korean election, um, sort of resentful young men, incel-like, sort of stage an anti-feminist party um, you know, takeover of the government. And there is even a movement, you know, in South Korea right now called the 4B movement, which is just women who have decided that men are terrible and want nothing to do with them. And men are responding in kind. And it's just, it's just a bad scene there. And this, these clashes are kind of happening everywhere to a different and lesser or larger degree. 
But so you know the the not in the, Muslim majority countries it seems. Well, I, we, well, let's we'll get, get to, to that. that because I think <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a that is a I think we should end up there. But you know the 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 thing that you're describing there, I was um, again, don't ask me why, was watching a an interview uh, with the author of a book on J Edgar Hoover recently, and. Um, uh, there was sort of a back and forth at the beginning of the interview, you know, I guess he was born uh, late 19th century, um, that talked about how the progressive movement uh, in the United States at the turn of the century, um, one of the big background like events that was happening was a crisis of men, of masculinity. And I, I did a little bit of Googling, like really cursory stuff, so I'm really just shooting from the hip here. Um, but it's, uh, uh, you know, the big thing that was going on there, it's a materialist's actual explanation. Now, it's, obviously, it's not the only one. You can always come up with different ones. Sociologists will approach it differently. But it's it's the death of the farm and the, the sort of, um, you know, agriculture, big urbanization. And again, the, the, the fascinating thing, and this I did know from before, is that, you know, there was uh, the whole idea of urban living was seen as emasculating. Yeah. That That, in fact, you know, uh, it's women's jobs in offices and things like that, right? That 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 it's it was degrading to men. They couldn't find their sort of space in all of this. And again, just in my sort of cursory Googling, I found some 1974 article, and I couldn't access it. I just saw the the um, uh, the abstract for it. But it was even making the claim that you know, uh, like Teddy Roosevelt's entire sort of like big masculine thing and imperialism and stuff like that was very much you know, tapping into that, like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt charging up the hill. Um, it's, it's all just a sort of, you know, reclaiming masculinity, uh, in a way. And, and so, you know, I, I, a lot of the, the discourse, as you put it, is, uh, is this kind of like therapeutic discourse. And, you know, I think, I think a, a lot of the stuff that you document in your piece ends up in that. And you're talking about, uh, all these like right-wing influencers and stuff like that. But I, I can't also sort of like help shake this feeling that what we're looking at maybe is sufficiently explained by a sort of crude materialist uh, explanation. And then all the rest of this, it's it's the other like great American tradition of snake oil salesmen <laughs> that like a problem arises and you get these hacks that show up that are incredibly popular like massively influential, but not beyond the very narrow era. Many of them like make off like bandits, profit handsomely of it. And like, you know, it's discussed, but we just don't know about any of them because they're completely irrelevant because this stuff sort of sorts, sorts itself out because it has materialist underpinnings. React to any part of that. Like, is that, is that too reductive of me? I mean, I, I love being reductive on this very line, but like, <laughs> uh, is, is, is that, is that, does that capture any part of your thinking as you're sort of thinking about this stuff? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. I also, I will grant that you are being reductive as as I know that you want me to, <laughs> Demir. Yeah. Um, so let's start with the materialist discussion. Um, I think that that is very much the case. Um, that as sort of fuel for the like, oh no, what's going to happen to men has been uh, a long part of the American scene. So actually, in fact, looking back to your your two examples, you know, one of the first like big talked about crises of masculinity was when Manifest Destiny sort of ended, basically, when we reached the West Coast. And there was this like 
kind of countrywide freak out that like now we were out of land for men to explore. And so men were going to fade away and become sissies because they no longer had freedom to roam. And yes, Teddy Roosevelt was sort of a reaction to that, you know, riding around on his horse and shooting things. You know, no, I'm, I'm still a man. We're still out here. Um, but yeah, that was, I think that was materialist. And it, I think, I mean, this may be a historical, somebody who's listening can totally call me out if, if this conjecture is not correct, but it resolved itself, frankly, by America getting itself into some wars. <laughs> and then there was stuff yeah. for men to do. <laughs> right. Um, that, well, is... this is where I'm heading anyway, but go on. <laughs> oh, I, I see your end game. I see your end game here. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, that's a materialist circumstance. And yes, um, there is an outgrowth of this. Oh, no, what's happening to men? Like the, the man in the gray flannel suit is sad, not only because he's a cog, but because he's a man who should be doing man things and said he's you know, shuffling into the um subway and to the office and so like there was this interest in getting into fitness and spirituality around that time um yeah so in the past there were materialist claims and in the present there are materialist claims too um the sort of strength uh strength intensive factory and other labor jobs um have been shipped off to other countries leaving men without work and often without economic supports that are similar to the ones that they enjoyed in the past that their parents enjoyed. Um, so there's, you know, obviously the trope that a man should go to work and be the provider and raise a family on his salary. And that is in many cases, just not possible anymore. Um, and so while that is a, a materialist, um, well, that's a materialist problem. And it is one that has happened with much less sort of support and rectification in the United States. The materialist problem, I suspect, leads to a sort of, I don't know, what is what is the opposite of materialist? What is the word I'm looking for here? Well, a spiritual. Shadi would say spiritual. Yeah. yeah, a spiritual kind of psychological problem, you know. Um, it's one thing to not have the job that makes you the money or to not get the degree. It's another thing to be able to spend a lot of time thinking about how you're not going to live a better life than your father did. You thought that you were, and this is, I think this is also just how masculinity has been drawn in America and around the world in the past. You've been brought up to expect yourself to be able to fulfill a role of provider, of a protector of your family and the people around you, of a procreator, someone who's able to like get a wife and have a family. And because of your material circumstances, perhaps, and for other reasons, just general social change around how much women are allowed to do that they weren't in the past. Those roles are not so easy to access anymore and attempts to access them or perform them in the way that you were taught from the movies you watched, you know, on TCM 20 years ago are also suddenly being rejected. You know, there's still kind of like a John Wayne ideal of masculinity, but suddenly men are, are told today, well, that strong and silent type is actually toxic. That's a toxic ideal. So you can't be that anymore. Um, wanting to, you know, chase girls, say, and seeing that as part of your masculine identity. Like, we don't do that anymore. So put that aside and come up with some other version of masculinity that we accept and that we want. And that, in addition to being a material thing, is also, I think, psychologically startling and scary for a lot of men and leaves them in a sort of how do I be? What am I supposed to be doing now? State that is very uncomfortable for any human person. Yeah. 
Well, let me up the ante a little bit. Um, so the answers that you seem to provide, and I'll just oversimplify here, they seem to be a little bit right-coded. They seem, in other words, they are things that, as you sort of alluded to earlier, emanate from, or we tend to hear them from right-leaning folks, that there has to be some quote-unquote return, maybe return's not the right word, return to... <laughs> gender norms or gender roles with at least some specificity. In other words, the genders are not completely interchangeable. It does actually mean something to be a man, and it does actually mean something to be a woman. And we have to acknowledge that there are differences, not intellectually or legally or anything like that, but there are just different predilections. And one of them is rather obvious, the ability to have kids. Um, but I think that you make... You definitely uh, make an effort to sell some of the quote-unquote solutions or answers to a largely secular progressive audience. Um, those are the people that you want to bring on board. So you have to be careful about being too outright with, let's say, religious references. you got to make a kind of straightforwardly secular case. But in the end if you kind of um, distill some of your recommendations, they aren't particularly progressive. They are about, they're about sort of saying, stop, hold on, guys, we've gone too far. Maybe we got to just step back a little bit and consolidate our gains. And maybe some of the things we lost 20 or 30 years ago or whenever deserve to be rethought and, and brought back in, maybe not in the way they were before, but in a more sort of, quote unquote, culturally sensitive way. So you have all these caveats and qualifications, and that's great for making the case to people who otherwise wouldn't be uh, susceptible to your argument. But in the end, it is a right-leaning right argument, it seems to me, and it is an argument that relies on religious precepts and traditional precepts. And when I said that the answers are kind of obvious— I think that they're kind of obvious insofar as that's kind of what the three Abrahamic faiths address. Like, what is the role of men and women um, in society? It's kind of an old story, and I'm kind of wondering if, if we have to reinvent the wheel. I get that people reinvent the wheel because you don't want to lose non-religious people, but this is—I mean, Jordan well, Peterson says, clean your room— but actually, the Quran, the Bible, and also other scripture. Also, all, yeah, <laughs> metaphorically, but um, there are models. I mean, Sometimes I don't know. Jesus, we can get into like Jesus as a model later. Well, it's kind of hard to be a model because he's divine. But in any case, Christine, there's a lot there. Does any of tell me what you think about what I just said? Yeah, yeah. Is it well, unfair? Um, well, first of all, I just want to point out that every time I come on this pod, one of you either calls me a Straussian or says that I'm like a conservative in sheep's clothing. Like you really just want to, I, I don't know what, the, what this fascination is, but it happens every time I'm here and I'm not entirely sure why. I Are think we it's, wrong? I think it's false. I think it's okay. false. Um, All right. But to, let's see, where where to start with, with Shadi's points here. Um, so... I'll talk a little bit more about, I guess, the piece itself for the people who haven't read it. One of the things that I point out is that there's this sort of like vacuum for young, for a lot of young men 
in sort of what masculinity is supposed to look like, what being a man looks like today. And they're looking for answers. People who are looking for answers are going to find answers somewhere. You'd prefer that they find better answers than worse answers. What is happening in our American, I think, political landscape is that people on the right um, are providing answers and people on the left, or rather progressives, and not even just progressives, actually, I think the mainstream is like weirdly reluctant to provide anything at all. It either like denies that the problem exists. It's like, well, what do you mean? The patriarchy, men are, of course, men are still on top. What are men complaining about? Um, says that that's not, you know, that the, the crisis of masculinity is not real or suggests that the crisis of masculinity may be real, but unfortunately, you know, like men, men are bad and they need to stop being, masculinity is toxic actually. And they should just like stop doing that and just be good people, which is very sort of vague and unsatisfying answer um, to me. Or, you know, this, a push that I think is actually happening, not just, not just on the left, but actually in, in sort of the more extreme and kind of almost activist corners of the left, um, sort of really, really progressive. I don't, I don't know if that's even the right description spaces that are sort of out for the kind of eradication of, of the idea of gender norms or gender difference and want to be able to say, we're all just people there. There is nothing different. That's revolutionary. I mean, that's straight up French revolution shit. That's like, that's, I think we can call that what it is. I mean, that's, that's, is it really revolutionary? revolutionary? It seems just yeah. progressive. It's about moving forward and uh, moving forward and transcending, transcending like things. I mean, it, it, I'm sure moving forward on that path. I mean, sure. The revolutionaries, French Revolution were I guess they are had an idea of progress as well, I guess. Somewhere. You know? yeah, yeah, no, I I think that's actually but I do think that is a revolutionary um idea. The idea that that sex difference is not real or relevant in any way is pretty revolutionary. Um and so I I don't think that that's a helpful answer <laughs> to the young men and boys who exist today and are like, actually I I still see myself as a man or I, I want to be. And I just, I would just really appreciate knowing, knowing how to do that. <laughs> Please. Can you just tell me some answers here? Um, and I do suggest that in order to keep, you know, some of the, the bad influences, the bad influences from the right, mostly from filling that vacuum, what the left and progressives and mainstream need to do is offer a positive vision that acts as kind of a counter ideal that is attractive to men actually seems realistic in the world. Um, and, you know, begin to put that forward. And my idea of what that attractive vision is, I think is what you're trying to say is conservative shoddy. It's an ideal of masculinity that acknowledges the fact that sex difference does exist and that Obviously, gender, men and women are kind of on a spectrum and share many qualities. But when you get to kind of the poles, men and women often tend to be, they're, they're clusters at poles for certain traits, say. And how, what it looks like to be a good person in the world um, is related to those differences and should be specific to them. Um, is, is that conservative, actually? I mean, I guess it's conservative uh, compared to revolutionaries, but it's not, it is, to me, it actually seems like a pretty, a pretty clear mode of 
how the world has operated for a long time and what is actually logical to to most people. Uh, yeah, but progressives aren't necessarily interested most in people. being logical. I mean, the whole point of pro progressivism is to not be based in reality at some level. I mean, it's to say that reality is not acceptable. We have to resist the things that may have been true in the past and blaze a new path. I don't even mean that pejoratively. I mean, some people like that. Some people want that. And it has been good for a good chunk of the 20th century in so, any number of so ways. I I, but so I just then, don't see... Hmm. So maybe I would say that it is a conservative view or it could be described as a conservative view only because I do think that like our embodied form matters that pure self-definition is not the solution for the majority of people, um, that actually people do in fact look for social norms and ideals. And the best solution is not to say there's no such thing as a social norm or an ideal, but to actually give a good one. Um, one that people well, can live up to positively and pro-socially. But what incentive do progressive? What incentive do progressives have to put forward that alternative vision? I guess that's what I'm struggling with. You think they should. I, I understand that. But why would they? Um, a couple of reasons, I think. Uh, first of all, there's like a flat political one, which is depressing, but true. Um, as the conservative movement continues to speak for and to men, and become attractive to men, young men and men generally who already skew conservative, skew even more conservative and become conservative voters, become conservative supporters, become proud boys who, you know, march on the Capitol on January 6th in support of Donald Trump. If that is not something we want or not something that progressives want, they need to put in some work to attract men to their side, or at least show them that there's some good alternative to that, that 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 is not the only way to be a man. So that's like kind of a purely, I think, political argument. Um, and it's a good one, but I don't think it's it's a total one. I think there's also a, I don't know, a, a social argument here, right? Like men are part of our society. Um, shocking, shocking truth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, just as much as women are or any other group um, for our societies to succeed as a whole, like each element has to be ideally succeeding or at least reaching towards some sort of good ideal of contentment. I mean, if you look at sort of soft, soft visions of what a good society would look like, say uh, people, you know, not committing suicide and dying deaths of despair, um, people who want families or want friends not being lonely because they can't find a partner because all of the men are off doing who knows what and are no longer eligible mates. Um, all of these sort of social pathologies that come from one sex, essentially just kind of like dropping out, are also problems for progressives. <laughs> and so presumably they would, they have an interest in fixing those too for the betterment of society. Like progressives have brothers and husbands and sons too, who they presumably want to be happy and fulfilled. So, so let me let me let me just maybe uh, try and get at this. Um, but we're already sort of the the the, the division here. Um, of your two answers, Christine, I would say I am 
I, I, I think the political one makes a lot of sense. I would say that maybe what Shadi would say and what a progressive would say is that, uh, again, because it's so tied to a certain kind of ideological bent, right, to uh, what, like, modern progressive ideology or worldview, ideology is pejorative, like, just a conception of how the world works, um, that what you are suggesting is against that, like, they can't accept it. That basically would be a betrayal of, like, deeply held values of how the world works. And I say and this so in the piece. That, yeah. And so, but, so, you know, here, here's, here's how I would challenge both of you, maybe. Um, if the crisis uh, is um, downstream from sort of bigger material things of a kind of kind of displacement, an economic displacement, and all the the stuff that you're describing is real about meaning and and trying to find it. Um, I think maybe like a a non-conservative, non-socially conservative answer to this is to say. Uh, this is a period of great dislocation, um, and, uh, all, the crisis of masculinity in a way is epiphenomenal of this. It's just something we've seen before. And, um, this is not to say that, that like, it'll be easy to solve, but like treating the spiritual crisis, um, certainly won't solve it. Uh, and that it's that you know it may salve it like it may make it easier for people and maybe reduce the the socioeconomic churn and so religion and tradition and the rest of that may calm things a little bit and 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 do that but that the forces at play are much bigger than anything that we're talking about on the sort of social level and, you know, Shadi, I mean, and this is the challenge to you, you know, last week, uh, even though it was several weeks ago that we recorded with Dragoman, and he was, you know, uh, for those that li didn't listen to that episode, it was... Guys, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, you are missing out. Just <laughs> yeah. just do it. Like, it is just do. A, on a it's different a level. One. It is a wild But one. But it's, yeah. it's, it's I, you know, I think there's a, there's a connection here, which is, you know, he is um, uh, a Muslim very much upset with a lot of the progressive stuff, and, you know... It's 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 a question of opting out and and trying to, uh, in his words, most charitably is to is to create up like a social uh, sphere that is less. Um, how do I put it? Uh, damaging and and like less painful to people that are going through all these upheavals. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I came away from that is a big question of whether that's really enough or in fact, if like Dragoman's vision or really any sort of properly return to a social conservative vision actually will make a difference. This is yeah. gets back to the point of whether, whether this crisis is epiphenomenal of bigger things. Oh. And if it is, then social conservatism at best just makes people feel a little better, but so, doesn't so actually is, solve anything. Well, so this is, this is an interesting, I think you're pointing at something really interesting here. Um, one, I like that you're trying to charitably describe Dragonbond's remarks because he had a lot of uncharitable remarks. Yes. Um, but so I think that 
one of the thing one one of the things that I dislike about the sort of conservative response to um, the instability facing men in this moment, um, and what you see in a lot of conservative conservative leaning um, spaces as a solution to this crisis is exactly this sort of like almost false idea that to fix the crisis um, you just return to some past vision, like really. Uh, just be the man that your grandfather was 50 years ago. And that's, A, not possible because, as you point out, Demir, the material trappings of the world, um, this upheaval was not the upheaval that your grandfather faced. So you can't, like, looking to the past is not going to fix it because we're just not there anymore. Um, but instead of actually providing sort of real solutions for these material um issues that are adding to the crisis of masculinity, you know, like there are ways, frankly, to bring labor jobs back to the United States if we really wanted to, if we wanted to, you know, find ways for men to have more opportunities for like various um, non-academic achievements, if we wanted to support vocational schools, if we, you know, any any number of educational things, we could do that. There, there are policy solutions for that. But most of these you know, conservative thinkers on masculinity don't ever really propose any of the policy solutions. They just say, well, the world should be like it was 100 years ago. And also, it's feminists fault. And the real solution is just to be mad at the liberal elite, because they did this to you. So it's just like a presentation of grievance with no solutions under it. And in my piece, you know, I'm, I'm trying to outline like what, what it is that, you know, a progressive a concerned progressive or mainstream movement could offer. And I suggest that it is still something of that psychic self by saying to men like, hey, we're empathizing with you. We see you as who you want to be, which is male, I guess, like someone who identifies as male. And here's a positive vision of that to aspire to that you can actually like use as a roadmap. But also you have to begin to address some of the material deficits. So I think some of the same things would still apply. Like what are better um, sort of like career and advancement opportunities for men in the chains landscape? Are there school shifts? Are there ways to provide, and this was like a big gap that showed up in the lives of a lot of men that I talked to, better mentorship and male role models. That's a hard one to fill because you can't really like, you know, politically mandate a dad for every kid who doesn't have one. I'm sure Pete Buttigieg would love to try and do that, to like to stand in as the dad, but we just can't make that happen. <laughs> um, but it has to be, there has to be kind of like a, a social recognition combined with material change. But to Guys, get to any of those things, mm. you have to admit that there's a problem first. And I think a lot of people on the left and the progressive side are loath to even admit that the problem exists. That's it for part one, dear listeners. There's a lot more where that came from. If you're not yet a paying subscriber, please head on over to wisdomofcrowds.live and become one. Help support our work. Hope to see you in the bonus.